Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Revival is on people's lips these days. Revival is, is on the lips of the church and people in the church and leaders in the church and people in the church talking about revival. And so, um, and last week we started off on our um, Spring 4th series. And I, and I think, um, you know, uh, revival is something that springs forth very, sometimes it's not something that we cause to happen, revival. It's a sovereign thing, revival. And people get caught up in revival. Um, but it, there's, always a, there's always a source or a start of it. Some, somebody somewhere does something or has been doing something for a long time and it gives way to revival. And in Revelation chapter 22, verse 1, it says, the angel showed me the river of the water of life. It was bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Isn't that amazing? An angel showed me the river. Of course, it was John that wrote Revelation. The angel showed me the river of the water of life. The water of life comes from the throne room of God. It comes from heaven. That's where the water of life comes from. And when that flows, everyone who gets in the river is surrounded by that bright, crystal clear, purifying water. You know, if you go through the word, water is used so many times to, um, in symbolic of purifying, cleansing, all of these different things. So I believe that um, at the moment we should be synchronizing with one another and coming into agreement for seeds of revival to be planted. I believe we've already been, we've already planted seeds of revival. Now we press in more. Amen. So I just want to just, before I, I, I just want to do a little preamble from last week's um, message. I don't know if you remember me saying that God reminds us of our past to protect us from having a shallow security in this present moment. He wants us to have a constant dependency and need for him. Amen. And I thought, what is a shallow security? And a shallow security is usually based on a feeling. All right. It's a feeling that we have, that we have some degree of control left. It's a feeling. You have some connection to the bottom. A few years ago, I, 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 there was a message I talked about when I was a boy running down the beach in South Africa, and I used to love getting in the ocean. And you'd go out, and you'd maybe get on a sandbar, and it's like you'd, the waves would come, and you'd bob up and down. And that first moment, when you came all that way, 600 kilometers from the Transvaal to get to the coast, we were all hyper, hyper excited. And the first moment that that first wave lifts your feet off of the sand and you feel you're in the ocean and you're out of control. This can take me, this could take me anywhere and there's nothing I can do about it. It was a, an amazing feeling. And... Um, some people want to stay rooted in the shallows where they have a feeling or a sense of control and security. But I want to say this morning that God 
is calling us to do business in deep waters. He's calling us to go further and deeper than we've been before. He calls us to go further. And that means leaving the security and the safety of, the sh of shallow waters and going out some more. And then we're going to shout out, but Lord, I'm out of my depth. And God goes, good. That's exactly where I want you to be. I'm out of my depth here, Father. That's exactly where I want you to be. You're not going to sink. You're not going to drown. I just want you to trust me. I just want you to rest in me. Rest in his power. You know how powerful the ocean is? It is, you don't mess, there's certain things in nature you don't mess with. The ocean is one of them. And you will rest in his power. It's a totally different thing. You know, so often in my past, I've striven against God, striving against God, disagreeing with God. It's like trying to fight the ocean. It's like trying to fight the ocean. It's like trying to push the river tumble back up the hill, up, you know, you can't, you just can't do it. And so he wants us to trust him. He wants us to go further. And I want to introduce you to a word this morning in Hebrew. And I'm going to totally muck up the pronunciation probably. So if there's any Hebrew scholars, you can come to me afterwards. The word is lech lecha. Lech lecha. And it's a Hebrew word and it means go forth. It was the word that God spoke to Abraham. Lech lecha. Go, go out, go forth. I've got things for you to do. And you know what you know, God showed him. He says, look at the stars. Imagine, this is, you're, going to, you're going to give seed to the lineage of Jesus Christ. Go out and look at this. And, and I'm sure that everyone who's ever, stepped, who's ever considered going lech lecha has had a degree of trepidation, fear, and uncertainty. But God says, lech lecha, I want you to go. So Abraham starts out, he goes into this incredible adventure with God. But the reason he does that, I believe, is because he is connected to the source of life, the river of life. And the source is heaven. The source is God. And he's like, do you know what? I feel a connection to this. I'm going to go. Everything after that, every Step of the way, God was with him. And of course, um, we sing that song, we are the seed of Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham. Amen. So he had this secure attachment to God. And um, he embraced the uncertainty and he went out. And it's just the same as Peter in um, Matthew 14. When he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. And Jesus comes and catches Peter and lifts him up. And what's, what, is, what does Jesus say to Peter? Why do you have such little faith, Peter? <laughs> but he took his eyes off of his source, what was keeping him afloat, and he began to sink. And Jesus doesn't want to see the waters close over you. He doesn't want to see that. He'll reach out and he'll, he'll put his hand out. In fact, um, Maybe someone could do this for me right now. Could someone go and grab Kelsey's painting from the wall upstairs and bring the painting down to the front? Uh, it's on the wall. It shouldn't be bolted on. It should just come off the, the hook. But that's what Jesus does. He, he, he catches us before we're swallowed up. 
And we look around and we get fearful and we get afraid with what's going on. And we do, we begin to sink in the circumstances of life and all sorts of, we also begin to sink into our sin. And we begin to sink into our unrighteousness. And then Jesus comes and he catches us and uh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Bill. Can you, can you imagine seeing that coming your way? From what perspective would you be looking at that? From under the water. That hand coming through, just as it feels like you've been enveloped, swallowed up, here comes Jesus, and he reaches down, and he grabs you. Amen? Amen. Isn't Kelsey gifted? Isn't she such a gifted artist? And so I think there's a lot of things we can sink into in life, and we've got to cry. And I think a lot of people do cry out. And instinctively we do. And I think it's because instinctively a lot of people know that, there's, that there is something greater. It does, if you can be an atheist, I believe that there's an instinctive cry. You might try and suppress it, but there's a rescuer. There's a reviver. There's, there's a savior. And, and we've got to cry because we can't breathe underwater. It's not our natural environment. Do you, being, being overwhelmed with the circumstances of life, that's part of life going through circumstances. But I believe, this is my personal opinion, God never designed me to be swallowed up by the circumstances of life. He designed me to be, to, he took me out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock. So the Bible confirms to me that he doesn't intend... It, I encounter circumstances, I encounter difficulty, I encounter hard times, but God doesn't want me to be trapped in that for all time, amen? He doesn't want me to drown in my own sin or unrighteousness. And to stay on top of all of that requires faith. And that's a type of faith that doesn't doubt, not one bit, amen? So God is, God is a specialist, He's a, he's a resurrection specialist. He specializes in resurrecting life. He resuscitates and he breathes new life into men. Amen. He resuscit he'll resuscitate your life. He'll revive your life. You know, revival, I was looking, I was studying revival. Revival to me says that once upon a time there was something that was alive and it was vital and it waned away, and there might just be ash remaining, or there might be a few embers. And embers, you know, sometimes you can't see the embers. We've got a log-burning fire, and when it's time to go to bed, and the fire has gone out, and we put the living room light off, we can see the embers, but we've never seen them. You can't tell that they're there until you put the light off, and then you see these embers glowing. And I've done this before. I've gone back to our fire, and I thought, I'm going to stay up for another hour. Linda's gone to bed, and I'll put some kindling on there, and I'll blow on the embers, and the kindling will, ig will ignite, and it will come. It will revive again. Amen? So the Holy Spirit breathes on our lives to revive us, to revive us. 
and to get those embers going again, to get those embers on, on fire, and they're revived. So, so, so God is saying, lech lecha, go again, go forth, sprout. There, there can still be green shoots coming out of your life. Amen? Spiritually speaking. So revival means to live again. All right? Revival means live again. So when the church, when we talk about revival in the church, we say, we're, what we're really saying is that it's time for the church to come to life again. Yeah. That, that's what it actually means. Come to life again. And I don't think it's much different to saying it's time to sprout a new green shoot again. Amen. New life. Romans chapter 6 verse 4. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, even so we also should walk in newness of life. God's a resurrection specialist. He'll resurrect, he'll resurrect your life. He'll res he resurrected our lives. He'll resurrect your life. God is no respecter of persons. Amen. New life. Sometimes a new life requires a burial of the old one. You know? Um, sometimes, uh, think about this. When was, when, did, have you, have you ever marked the day of the last day of your life, your old life, marked it? And said, this was the day that my new life begun. Yes. Now, there can be a difference between the day that we receive salvation and are born again and the day that we mark that day. And I think if we have not done this yet, we need to come to a place where we mark the day and say, Lord, I thank you for your saving grace and I've lived by your grace since then. But today... I mark this day as my old life is gone. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You, can do that. you can do that. Hallelujah. So our, we're talking about springing forth. And uh, I just want to look at this word in Hebrew quickly. Spring forth. It means to sprout or shoot or grow green. To grow green. To cause to shoot forth. Genesis 1.11, God says, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. Signed, God. Yeah? Jo Joel, Joel 2.2. Joel's got a lot to say about new wine and, new, and, and revival. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree bears her fruit, the fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Amen. You know, in all of these things, time is involved. Is it, is it the time, church, to spring forth? Amen. <laughs> is it the time? Yeah. It's the time. When is the time? Now is the time. Now is the time. You know, in every single thing, God has predetermined times and seasons. Time is very important. Seed time and harvest have been set. Praying and preaching, right the way through to release and revival, God's ordained it. You can preach for 10 years and then all of a sudden you see a breakthrough. 
or you can preach for, 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 for a, a, a two-week seminar or conference and see a breakthrough, but everything is done. God has a timing for everything. He's ordained it. God predetermined where you would be born. So whether you were born in, in the house or um, in Irvine Central or, or Cross House Hospital, God predetermined where you would be born and from whence you would shoot forth. Who did you come from? But ultimately, we all came from seed. I want to read this in Amplified, Acts chapter 17, verse 24. The God who created the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, because it is he who gives to all people life, He's the giver of life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their lands and territories. Why did he do this? This, would, this was so that they would seek God. They would seek him. If perhaps they might grasp for him and find him, Although he's not far from each one of us, for in him we live and we move and we exist. We have our being, or even some of your own poets have said, for we are his children. Amen. So God has, you're living on this earth today for a reason, at a pre-appointed time, and you're here to do a pre-appointed task. You're here, we are here, sorry, the general we, we are here to do pre-appointed business. So this, at the beginning of this year, the tone that we're trying to set is that we have great purpose this year. We have to remember whose business are we, must we be about. Lech lecha, you have to go and do business until what did Jesus say? I must do business. Luke chapter 2, verse 49. And he said unto them, Why are you looking for me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Some translations say, Oh, I must be in my father's house. But there's a literal translation, the Young's translation. It says, It behoves me to be about the things of my father. So being involved with and engaged with his business and his affairs. You know, a lot of us like to get involved in other people's affairs. <laughs> the affairs that we should be concerned about are God's affairs. Be about his business and about... And so what are the affairs of God? I don't really know. Well, we can do a Bible study on that. We can find out what is the business that God has for us. But Jesus lived with that cause in his life. I must be about my father's business. And we, we're going to talk about this next week. What's the difference between a vision and a cause? Which one will get you, which one will get us motivated to do kingdom business, a vision or a cause? You, 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 well, you, David got to the front lines and he said something that changed the whole atmosphere there. He says, what's going on here? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? 
Why are you all standing here while this uncircumcised Philistine mocks you and, the, and your God? Don't you have a cause? These men had neither a vision nor a cause. David gets there and he says, I've got a, I'm here for a cause. Changes the whole spiritual atmosphere. And he goes out there and he does it. He, 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 that's, you know the story, the awesomeness of that slaying of that giant. Amen? And we're going to look at that. So this year, still early in the year, we can continue to engage with our father's business or get started with doing our father's business, or we can get on with our own business. If we go about our father's business, he'll look after your business. So if we look after his business, he'll look after ours. Amen? So we pray, 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 pray in the mornings in your, in your time of prayer or your devotionals, whenever it is, and say, Father God, lead me into your pre-appointed times this year. Lead me into those pre-appointed times. The pre-appointed encounters with people. The pre-appointed meetings with people in your locality. The pre-appointed meetings with, or, you know, so, so often we say, oh, I had a chance meeting with so-and-so. It's like, chance? Chance, God, Ellie, God incidents. Oh, it was just a coincidence. You know who I've seen? And it's like, you know when it's God because something inside you wants to say something and you're trying to suppress it. That is not a chance meeting. That's a pre-appointed time where you have a thing to release that you must release. And this is where the boldness comes in. Revival is, re revivalists are not timid. Revivalists are bold. Revivalists are not afraid. Hallelujah. Doing God's, and how many of us think sometimes, you know what? And the fact is this whole mindset, do we do, we, do, we do things for God in our time? Or do we do things for God in his time? Whose time, are, whose time clock are we in? Are we on? Whose time clock are we on? If we're doing it on his time clock, doing, th doing his business should not be a burden. There's lots of things that can be a burden, but it's, doing his business is not supposed to be a burden because he says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And Jesus says, um, whatever I do, I, I do what I see my father do. And we're asking, well, what do we need to do? Well, we go to the word and we say, that's what we need to do. The word it spells it out. This is what we need to do. Jesus said, John 4, 31 in the NLT, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, please, Eat something. Jesus replied to them, I have a kind of food. You don't know about it. Did someone bring him food when we were gone? They're all asking one another. Then Jesus explained, my food, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. God is a rewarder. I need to, when, God will never leave you bereft of anything when you are doing his business. But I say, wake up and look around. The, yeah, the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. 
What joy awaits the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. We are harvesting where we didn't plant, folks. We are, some of you, some of us, you may, you may be recent here in the fellowship, into the kingdom. We are harvesting where other, we are standing on the shoulders of giants. We are standing on the shoulders of prayer warriors. We are standing on the shoulders of people who prayed the kingdom in to Scotland. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. You know, in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, someone else is going to be enjoying what we started at the Heat Hub. Some of those people at the Heat Hub will be in other places around the globe spreading the gospel. You you never be, don't be despondent, don't be discouraged. Everything that springs forth and grows and bears fruit needs nourishment, doesn't it? So this is what, this is, this is a key part of this message and we're nearly done. Jesus says, plain as day, and I think it's one of the most profound things that he has ever said. And if only his disciples, including us, because we're disciples, if only we would understand it, it would transform our lives and our spiritual growth. Because we are so dominated by natural nourishment and food. All right? No no wonder. You know, when when those fat cells touch your lips, your body goes into, ah, heaven. It's like food, food is a chemical that makes us feel amazing. Food is, food is awesome. The satisfaction and the fulfillment of the food we have is amazing. But if we can understand that the business of the kingdom is the most rewarding thing that we can do. Jesus, I have food of which you don't know. The things that satisfy me and nourish me, it's a different kind of food. It's a different kind of food. And when we do that, instead of being motivated by earthly food, we begin to be motivated. If we were as motivated by heavenly food as we were by earthly food, we would be a super church. <laughs> now, I'm only kidding. I'm, I, I'm only kidding. But, but, but that's, isn't that right? If we, if we desired our heavenly food as much as we desired our daily food, we would go to and we would go to it. We would grow and grow and go to another level. Amen. And the Father's, when we put the Father's business first, then we can overcome the desires of our flesh. Now, I, I've already had hiccups on this fat time of fasting and prayer. Don't feel alone. But it's, it's about saying, do you know what, God, this is, I want to do this totally reliant on you, because I can't, I, you know, I, I'm an A type, I'm a, my, my blood type is type, uh, uh, well, I'm a type O, but I'm an A type personality, the traditional hunter-gatherer. I go out and I look for food, I kill it and I eat it, and I want more of it. Where's the next thing? Kill, eat, ha, hm. that's, that's what I do. And, and, and so I'm very, I'm very impulsive. My personality type is impulsive. See, eat, mm, that's it. And so I need God. I need, I need that discipline. Amen? And so we can overcome the desires of our flesh. If we feel weighed down, 
Who feels weighed down? Maybe, oh, we could, yeah, weighed down, stressed out, chronic fatigue, defeated and deflated. Perhaps we have not been about our father's business. But if we get about our father's business, the, the fatigue will lift. The, 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 the feeling of defeat will, will go. The deflation will turn into inflation. <laughs> Amen. Let go of the things you've been holding on to. This fast has the power to unbind you from the past. Amen. Read this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 in the Amplified. The one who practices sin, who separates himself from God and offends him by acts of disobedience and indifference or rebellion is of the devil. And he takes his character, inner character and moral values from him, not from God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the very beginning. But the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. The Son of, God's, the Son of God appeared for this cause, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin, because God's seed the print, his principle of life and the essence of his character remains permanently in him who is born again, who's reborn from above, spiritually transformed and renewed, set apart for his purpose. And he who is born again cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin because he is born of God and longs to please him. And by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are clearly identified. Anyone who doesn't practice righteousness and who doesn't seek God's will in thought, action, and purpose is not of God, nor is the one who does not unselfishly love his believing brother. So the seed's imperishable. The seed is imperishable. The seed that was, is in you is imperishable but it needs the right environment to shoot out lech lecha, green shoot, shooting out, going forward. It needs the right environment. If you're here this morning and you feel maybe you've lost your acquaintance with the Lord, maybe you feel disconnected and distant and far away, what we need to do is go to the place where he puts his name. Go to his people. You can't, we cannot live life alone. We cannot live life by ourselves. We need his people. We need, where does God place his name? Wherever he is lifted up, wherever people gather in his name is where he is at. If you want to be reacquainted, come back, be consistent, come back to, into fellowship, amen? Go to the people of God. Be within the pre-appointed bound. God set boundaries for you. Maybe you've gone beyond those boundaries. It's time to come back into his boundaries instead of us being the sheep that finds every hole in the fence. <laughs> oh, there's a hole. I'm gone, you know. So he's given us an assignment. This is a strategic time, 2023. It's a strategic time, and you all are strategic people in the plan of God this year. You know, things have changed around co-winning. I was with my dad yesterday speaking to him, and he, he said in 1987, when they drove into co-winning, he said, 
it was like dry, the, uh, driving in here, it was, the atmosphere was heavy, heavy and dark. He said it was like when you got into Kawinning, they sensed they were in Kawinning. And my dad said to me yesterday, he says, David, that's changed. He says, it has changed. It's softened. It's softened. And there's, there's a breakthrough coming. There's a, do you know what? We, we sometimes look at our kinfolk and we think, oh my gosh, how are we ever going to do this? How are we ever going to do this? And it's usually the people that, are, that, that you think are the hardest to reach that will surprise you the most. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.